What's up, everybody? Welcome to the second part of the second episode of Uniquity Over Ubiquity, the show where we delve deep down into the mind of an up-and-coming artist to figure out exactly what it takes to be unique, rather than being a drop in the pool of the masses. When you last listened, we were talking with Greg Ellis about the musically legendary Frank Zappa. Now, this is not how we traditionally want to do this, but because Frank Zappa is such a large artist and because Greg Ellis is such a large part of the community that I'm in, I could not cut any of this down, so we had to break it up into two parts, mainly because I can't even be asked to do anything for more than an hour straight, so I would never in my entire life ask my fans to sit down for two hours and listen to me talk, or anyone for that matter. So if it ever breaks over the hour barrier, we're always going to split it up. Now in this interview, you can hear us talking a little bit about Greg's Ravine show with Break Science, which is the venue that he's been working at in Atlanta. That show has since happened, and it was mind-blowing. The way that he really played with the aesthetics in that room is definitely right up his avenue, but also something that I know no one else is really doing. It was uh, pretty magnificent, and in this interview, he equates it kind of to Vegas, and I would say it's right on par with that. He did an amazing job, and he will continue to do amazing jobs with that and just about anything he touches. I want to thank you guys for listening to part one of this episode. We actually broke over 100 listeners, which is pretty amazing for a podcast with only two episodes. We have been doing so much work here to try to make sure that you guys get the best information that you possibly can and i hope you tell your friends i hope you tell other artists that you know that they could be on this show i just want you guys to get as much information as you possibly can about what it takes to be an artist because it's not easy and it does require a lot of hard work a lot of dedication and a lot of overcoming self-doubt and all kinds of other crazy shit that alters your perception of what you're doing so The main thing that I want anyone to realize here is that while anyone can do it, it takes someone special to actually make it through a lot of the stuff that you have to go through just to establish yourself as unique. I mean, anyone can get up and cover band songs. Anyone can get up and do, you know, a, a wedding singer thing. People can sit there and regurgitate music all the time, but to make something actually original and to make something that's so distinguishably you with your own fingerprint, that's exactly what I want people to strive for in this industry. That's exactly what I want to see. I want I want to see people like Chris Dyer. I want to see people like, uh, you know, STS9 and, and the new rapper Token. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want people to know that it takes soul to become a distinguishable artist and you have to put your soul into what you're doing you can't just show up and play the template and do what everybody's done before because you will just literally be forgotten in that little space of time but in order to make your imprint on life in order to make your imprint on your fans and the people that um, could be your fans in the future That's what I want you to focus on. That's what I want this show to uncover within you and within other people around me. And I'm also doing it for myself. You know, I'm an artist and I struggle with self-doubt daily. I don't know if I want to be a musician. I don't know if I want to be a comedian. I don't know what I want to do, but I know that I have to put myself into it. And that's all I've ever done is just been myself. If you try to be anything other than yourself, eventually you're going to have a very hard time keeping up that facade. But that's just my motivational moment. Let's not talk any more about this. Let's get right down to the nitty gritty and finish up this interview because 
everybody knows that the first half of it was so informative that we really got to get down to what he's talking about in the second half. So without further ado, here's Greg Ellis. This is a quote by Zappa. Any word that gets the point across is a good word. If you want to tell someone to get fucked, that's the best way to tell them. Absolutely. And so I, I think I was trying to touch base on censorship, and I, I'm almost positive that I'll have some questions about that. But I mean, you know, I, I know that he hated censorship. I personally hate censorship. I remember censored albums in my yeah. youth and being like, what the fuck well, is this he's, garbage? He's the reason why the parental advisory sticker exists on CDs and whatever. Back in That's the 80s, amazing. Back in the 80s, um, Al Gore's wife, Tipper Gore, had the, uh, oh shit, what's it called? Um, I don't know. They had some coalition to censor music. It was right around the birth of hip hop. Uh, there was a lot, uh, you know, there were a lot, vulgarity in music had become more abundant in the 80s. Um, and uh, there, was, there was a coalition to censor music and Frank D. Schneider from Twisted Sister and John Denver, of all people, because his song Rocky Mountain High got banned on radios because of the drug reference. Oh and so God. the three of them stood up in front of Congress and battled Congress. And the, the compromise that they came up with was the parental advisory sticker. And, I mean, Frank, Frank more than anybody in the history of music, I mean, took, took uh, language to the extreme. I mean, he, vulgarity, sexual innuendo, political chastising, you name it, he covered it. And so if anybody was ever going to be censored, it was Frank Zappa. <laughs> I think it's crazy because, like, I, I can't imagine what the world would have been like if something like that didn't happen. Because, you know, I mean, regardless of what you censor, people are going to hear about that shit eventually. It's sure. just the way life is, you know. Like, there's going to be some dumb kid at their, at school in fifth grade that's like, hey... I know what a blah, blah, blah is. And they're like, what is that? You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. like, so like it's going to happen regardless. And, uh, you know, I think that's more what I, as it, as it stated, I think that's what parental advisory is for. Exactly. Um, so I, I agree with that fully. Um, so let's see, he didn't consider himself the composer or the boss. Do you think that you carry that same mentality if, and when you're directing your own projects, like, do you, assimilate and coexist with everyone or do you feel like you really have to like take charge oh boy um are you a dick or not no i'm just kidding <laughs> I'm, if you want me to be completely honest yes i'm a dick but i'm a dick for the right reasons not the wrong reasons i guess understood it um, also who i am now i'm about to turn 35 in a couple weeks who I am now versus who I was when I was 25 are two very different people, especially in that aspect. Because understanding the, um, understanding the qualities that people have that, that are around you and how they make you better um, is really important. And knowing that you can't do it all on your own. Now... From an artistic standpoint, I would say that in the last couple of years, Derek has pretty much empowered me to kind of just go. And so it's, you know, a lot of what you see now is, is really just, it's all the madness in my head. Where in, in, in years prior, it was very much a collaboration. You know, Derek and I still collaborate, but I think 
in the last couple of years, it was certainly more along the lines of the things that I really wanted to see happen. Um, but then, like, from a managerial standpoint and, and managing my crew and the other people that are around me, um, I have their respect, and so I know that I, I'm able to be honest, for better or for worse, and I think that's made me, you know, a stronger leader, um, and it do, and, and in doing so, I don't have to go to the extremes as much as I had to. My head would explode five, six, ten years ago when something wrong happened, and I would lose my fucking cool, and I would look like an idiot, and that doesn't happen anymore, because... One, I have confidence in myself as an artist to kind of overcome mistakes. And then two, I also know that like the people that I have around me are doing the best job that they can. And that's all I can ask for. And not every situation is going to be perfect. And so being able to see like, okay, was this, you know, a situational issue or was this a bigger problem and being able to recognize those things and then, and then reacting accordingly that's something that comes with age and time. Nobody when they're 20 years old is this like, you know, has it totally together and understands how to like manage every situation. If you think that you're 20 years old and you fucking know how to deal with these things like a fucking adult, you're out of your mind. I mean, it took me, I've been in this business now for, God, dude, almost 20 years. And just finally now, do I really feel like I'm in a position to like really, truly, genuinely lead a group of people in whatever the project is in front of us? And that's, I mean, it literally took 20, almost 20 years to be able to get to that place. So that's insane. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think a lot of people get discouraged because they don't get the overnight success or satisfaction of doing something like this. And so, um, like you said earlier, this is like a distraction, instant gratification-based society. Yeah. So if it doesn't happen in two years, what the fuck am I doing this for? Like, I got to totally. move on. I got to do something else. But, like, man, 20 years, people, like, it takes 20 fucking years to get to a point where you're comfortable enough to make these kind of strides. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like... It's not. It's not going to be that easy. We we have to grow as people and as artists like concurrently, and that's that's the hard part, I think. Absolutely. Um, he really seemed to be up against a lot. He was regarded as a cause for chaos or a representation of darkness. How do you feel like he conquered and navigated through that type of judgment? And do you have a situation where you were where you were perceived differently than you intended? Um. I well, I think for Frank, I think his just his unwillingness to let outside influences affect him is kind of what got him through it. So people could say what they want. They could form whatever opinions they had. He just, he continued to just be himself. Um, and I think in, in doing so maybe earned a lot of people's respect, but again, it took him 20 years to get there. I mean, Frank Zappa in 1968 was a lunatic I think Frank Zappa in 1985 was still a lunatic, but he was much more in control of himself. And so he found interesting ways to, to, to achieve the desired results that he had. Um, for, I mean, for me, you know, a lot of people used to think I was a dick. I do, I'm sure that people still do. Maybe not as many people as 
once upon a time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but again, like I was saying before, my inability to react in a rational manner created that that notion. And as you evolve out of that and become more level-headed and more, you know, aware of of what of how you are reacting to those things, will help um, mold other people's opinions about you. Interesting. That's uh, that's very interesting, and I, uh, I I like the insight on that for sure. Uh, he touches a lot on the topic of blindly liking him based on media attention, such as articles or photo shoots. But most people don't know what he actually does, uh, or nor have heard of his albums. I often struggle with the realization that most people will not be receiving my art on as deep of a level as I want or intend. How do you ignore that most people just want to blindly consume stuff? Do you do it for them, or do you do it for those few diehard fans who actually analyze what you're doing? Um, huh. I mean, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard kind of concept to, to, to approach just in the sense that like, I want, I want to say that I do it for myself first and foremost. And like I was saying earlier, I think that if you genuinely, uh, are proud of the, of the things that you create, it's an, it's it's only inevitable that other people will gravitate towards it. Now, how many people will, or this that's that's whatever. I mean, but you know, for Frank, I where he was kind of coming from was like you know from a from an image standpoint, he was you know he was right up there with like David Bowie from like a glam rock standpoint, the tight spandex and the crazy hair and like this like bombastic presence and then there were a handful of things like okay for here's a great example there are a good amount of people that all when all they think about when they hear frank zappa is sex and this like so a, another person who who has the same problem is howard stern right he is this amazing radio icon who has the best interviews and these great insights into the world and all these different things but what's the first thing people think about when you say Howard Stern? Sex. Sex. Same thing happened to Frank a lot for, you know, from a from a mainstream standpoint. But then and whether that's cool to you or it's the worst thing ever, both are wrong because there's so much more to him from from a musical standpoint, from a just from a personal standpoint. Like I mean, like he was a married man, he had four or five kids i mean like yes he sung about these crazy sexual you know things but like but there was so much more to him from you know from a creative and from a personal and like and so it's it's completely you know it's completely unfair for people to get pigeonholed into those into those things and i think you know for me i don't know like i guess when people bring up my name they probably say psychedelic or what i guess if that was like you know like i'm not a, i'm not out there portraying sex that's for sure like i'm out there portraying weird i guess um but like but there are these other things that i try to do that you know bring balance to all of that and uh you know being diverse in your in your creations is a very important thing you never want to just be known as the guy that does that one thing i agree with that that's uh that's true because um you know it's 
and th- and this kind of leads into my next question a little bit too, uh, which is like, you know, you, Derek, the whole team, you guys have maintained this image of, you know, positivity. And I, I mean, I know, you know, Derek throws him hip hop with some cussing and shit into his music, but like the theme overall is love, connectivity, all that. And I want to know how you guys control that image um, because, you know, I mean, even with, I, I'm not going to talk shit on anybody in particular, but artists that are in similar fields make some pretty obscene and dumb posts online sure. and make themselves <laughs> look like total assholes. I know who you're talking and, about. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And, and, it, and it's frustrating because I like shit. actually enjoy that, that artist, but it's just like, how do you how do you guys hone in and make sure that you maintain that? Less is more. The music is the message. For us, that's that's it. Done. Like end of conversation. The music is the message. And so all these like there's there's a uh, there's this empowerment movement happening within the the celebrity world, and it's always kind of been there. But it's way more disingenuous than it once was. I mean, when when Muhammad Ali was protesting the the war or whatever back in the seventies or whenever that was, right? Like he mm-hmm. was coming from a genuine place, and he was using his celebrity status as a, a way to empower those around him to protest this thing, right? Now, I'm not gonna sit here and say that like. Artists shouldn't speak their mind because that's that's crazy. But for us, we don't want to get involved in political things. We don't want to get like involved in these sociological like uh, you know problems. And we really just we try to keep it you know purely about the music. We're entertainers at the end of the day, and we want to bring good experiences to people. And so we don't want to reflect on all the negative things that are going on around us. You know, a lot of people use music as an escape from reality. So why would you bash them over the head with with reality, you know, on a daily basis or or at the show? Like, I mean, who I'm actually who, yes. who you know, who does what and and how they want to use their platform, that's their business. But we've always chose to keep it about the music, about positivity, about you know, about the escapism of it. You know, you want to get away from the fucking miserable things that are going on around you when you pay 50 bucks to go see a show. I don't want to be reminded about the dickhead who's running the country. I don't want to be right. reminded about the history of the world. You know, I right. love, like, here's a great example, right? Now, this is a tricky one because Pink, like, okay, Pink Floyd built their, you know, built their world on social and political satire almost, I guess, right? And so when you go see Roger Waters, especially now, he's very empowered. You know, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about Trump. He's doing this. He's doing that. And in some weird way, it seems a little bit more acceptable. I'm not sure why, but it it is. Like, I'm not frustrated by it when I go to the show. I wish it didn't. Time. I would say time. Yeah, I that maybe, but also I just think because of where they came from. Like they experienced so much more. And so, you know, for whatever reason, like the hippie culture was birthed out of a revolution against 
the man, right? Like the, the, the thing that we experience now is so much more artificial, you know, horn blowing. Like the people that are doing the things that they're doing, whether on stage or in social media, what are they really doing in real life to try to help change? Like they're just, they're just screaming from a mountaintop. And, right. you know, it's fine, I guess. But, like, your actions have to speak as loudly as your words. I think especially when you go down that road. If you're yeah. going to make that choice, then you got to live that choice. And like, yeah, I agree. And we're not those guys. We're not political guys. I mean, maybe some of the guys in the crew. But, like, like you know what? When Derek and I are sitting around having coffee, we are not fucking talking about politics. <laughs> we're That's just great. not. So That's why? Great. So why would we? You know, why would we express? Convey that you are right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, so that that actually brings up um, something. This is going to make me go a little bit off topic, but it's still kind of on par with what we're talking about in this question. This is actually something that I reference whenever I have discussions of this type. Um, Chris Farley carried this poem around. I don't know if you've ever heard about this. Um, I don't think I he have. carried a, he carried a poem around in his wallet every day of his life called the clown's prayer. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you because it, it like literally lines up with what you're saying. As I stumble through this life, help me to create more laughter than tears Dispense more happiness than gloom. Spread more cheer than despair. Never let me become so indifferent that I will fail to see the wonder in the eyes of a child or the twinkle in the eyes of the aged. Never let me forget that my total effort is to cheer people, make them happy, and forget at least momentarily all the unpleasantness in their lives. And in my final moment, may I hear you whisper, when you made my people smile, you made me smile. Fuck yeah. He had, that, he had that in his wallet every day of his life. I love that. Like, I mean, that's it, that, man. Yeah. That is literally what you're talking about. And yeah. um, that I had to like pull that shit up. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I gotta, like, God damn it. He's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. That's amazing. <laughs> so, no, I mean, that's yeah. it, dude. That really is. It, you know, it, it's, it's, life is hard. You know, we all, every person, you know, we all, we work hard. We, you know, we try to do the best that we can in whatever the situation is that's presented to us. And then I th- like, since I was a child, music was always the escape. When I had a bad day, I locked myself in my room, I put my headphones on, and I listened to music. And, you know, when you go to a concert, when you enjoy an artist, like, that's it. That's, that's the greatest thing in the world is to get away from all of it, you know? And for us that's it's really important that we maintain that beauty of when you go to a pretty light show when you go you know when you go to a fish show when you go to you know back in the like even though like the grateful dead got like a little political but like they still created an escapist environment and they didn't beat you over the head with these things like there may be little touches here and there right but they were in they were in the heart of the beast i mean they were in the belly of the beast you know especially in the early days but like those bands and and those are the guys that we learned from. We learned from them that like when 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 you create an experience in a, in a world for people, that world should not be tainted by the negative, terrible things that exist in their everyday world. Yeah, I I could not sympathize with that more, and that's exactly why. I take people to those shows and that's exactly why I've turned so many people on to those shows. I mean, I would, uh, 
I would definitely say I'm a heavy adver advertiser of this community. And uh, a lot of people, like if you've talked to me for more than 20 minutes, you've heard about it at least, <laughs> I'm sure. So, so um, I, I agree with that. And that's probably why we maintain such a large connection to it because we don't fuck with the bullshit when we get inside those doors. Like that's it's it. like, it's just, we're here to see this show. You're here to watch us see this show. Like you're, you know what I mean? Like you're here to put on a show and it's just, it's just so cohesive and it's so beautiful and it's so other universe you know what i mean yeah. like it's not it's not of what we are That's doing it, outside the, the the greatest the greatest acts in the world you know whether whether you're a rock and roll band a, a jazz any of them right when you go to that concert and you all of that just disappears for the two three four hours that you're there they they are the greatest successes to me in the world because yep. that like that power, that power to help people get through all of the things that are wearing them down, even if it's only for four hours, that it goes so much further than just those four hours. I mean, every summer I look forward to the three, four, five times that I get to go see fish. But that magic that I experience over those five days carries me through the rest of the year. And it helps inspire me to do that for other people. And it... It's it means a lot to me to know that we we have maintained that. It, it does make me really happy to hear that because you don't always know sometimes if if that um, consciousness exists. If people are aware of the fact that we're not beating them over the head with these things, or or, or if we're not creating that escapism that we hope to do. You know, we want to shine light on like beautiful things. We, you know, there was a time where, um, from a visual standpoint, we really wanted to like, uh, we really wanted to extract beautiful, tangible things from the world and present them in front of people. And it was a, it was an interesting challenge for me because when you start involving tangible notions it even if it's a beautiful thing it still kind of in a weird way takes away from the escapism because when it's a tangible thing somebody may relate to that in a weird way that you don't necessarily expect right and so maintaining this kind of abstract existence really does help enhance the escapism of it all yeah I, I couldn't have said that better myself. It's um, it's one of the times I check my phone the fewest <laughs> um, because there's already so much elaborate shit going on in front of my face that the internet couldn't possibly hold this moment. You know what I mean? Like sure. nothing could really, nothing could really do what you guys are doing. So, I mean, uh, I'll just say it again. You guys are fucking awesome, and oh, so that's uh, that's just that's just what it is. You you uh, it's a it's an, a powerful combination, and I'm so happy that you guys met. You know what I oh, mean? Because me like <laughs> like I, I'm sure you are. Yeah, like yeah. it's just like so, so it's it's perfect harmony. So um, it's it's just cool to even talk about that. Uh, he has another quote saying. Most of what the music business does is not musical. It's meant to sell a product, not be musical. How do you advise artists to sidestep that or not necessarily sidestep it, but not get so wrapped up in that? Yeah. Uh, you know, 
That's a tricky one. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing when you think about like good music versus popular music versus both. I mean, think about how popular the Beatles are. I mean, they were the fucking they were literally gods on earth in the 60s. I mean, Beatlemania was no joke, right? So they didn't do anything wrong. Like they made amazing music and for whatever reason everyone got it. Now granted in that time the options were much smaller. Like if the Beatles yeah. if the Beatles tried to be the Beatles in 2018 or what year is it? 2019? Is it 19? Yes. Yeah, it's 2019 yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost into the 20s. If the Beatles tried to be the Beatles in 2019, they would probably be selling 1500 tickets. And on the road, 250 days a year just to pay their bills, you know? And that's an unfortunate thing. So now here's, here's the dilemma. Do you want to make money? Do you want to be a genuine artist? And how do you do both? And honestly, I, fuck if I know. There's no, there's no, you know, magic spell that makes it all work. Um, I think really what it comes down to is, is you know... If you want to be a celebrity, then be a celebrity and know that you're going to have to do some things that maybe you don't feel comfortable with, but that's what it takes to probably get there. If you want to be a musician, be prepared to be broke for the next 20 fucking years of your life. And then just hope that somewhere along the way, you stumble over success. Because that's, I mean, that's really what it comes down to for a lot of like the really great artists that are now successful. It just something fucking happened one day and then, and then somehow they became successful. There's no like forcing it. There's no like, there's no shortcuts. There's, it's just, it either happens or it doesn't. And I wish, I wish there was a, I wish the, the industry supported musicianship more than it does now, but it very much is an artificial existence as from an industry standpoint, who's the prettiest, who can sell the most t-shirts, who can, right. you know, wh- wh- whatever the case may be. Uh, and that's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, a business is a business. So you got to, if you want to be in the business, you got to make money. And um, there, you know, there's definitely an imbalance right now. And, you know, everything's cyclical. So hopefully maybe, you know, five or 10 years, maybe the business will support, you know, real artistry again. But right now it's certainly doesn't seem to be going that way i mean i watched i watched about eight seconds of the grammys and i don't think i knew half the people that were nominated for awards this year so i don't Me i don't know fucking neither you know it is what it is i mean i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna shit on anybody's taste in music or i'm not gonna say that this guy's doing it wrong but like it just it is it's the way that the world works i mean society as a whole generates these concepts that like okay we want to ingest Beautiful people singing about booty shaking or fucking whatever the fucking case may be, and that's that's what is that is what is uh, tangible and marketable right now, and it won't be in five years hopefully, and we'll move on to something better or worse. Who fucking knows? I I don't know. <laughs> what was the most unique musical piece that you heard from Frank Zappa that still stands out to this day, and why is it special? Oh boy. I mean, all right. So, are you asking me what my favorite album is, or, or elaborate on that question a little bit? Because there are different, there are a few different ways to look at it. 
I think musical <laughs> piece is just interpreted it as like the pinnacle. Okay. You know, I mean, it doesn't sure. have to be a specific. I think that's why I left it open ended. I want it to okay. be like, is it a song? Is it a riff? Is it a fucking, you know what I mean? Like, is it an album? What is it? Yeah. I think for me, for me, the album One Size Fits All is Frank Zappa at his greatest. It's probably the one album that to this day I will listen to front to back and more times than any other. Every song on that uh, album, it just is the best. Sofa, Andy, Inca Rhodes. There's so much great music in 45 or 50 minutes, whatever whatever it is, that just it just blows my hair back every time I listen to it. Um, there, are, you know, there are other things that I will go to from Frank that when I'm like really digging for inspiration that move me in different ways. Um, some of his orchestral pieces like the yellow shark, they, it, it's a way to kind of go off the beaten path of, for inspiration. You know, so often you kind of, you know, you rest on your laurels and like, I mean, if you looked at my Spotify like plays, you know, it's literally five artists. I listen to Fish, Grateful Dead, Radiohead, Elliot Smith, and Pink Floyd. Like that's it. Like ninety percent of the time, and then that other ten percent is where the real like magic comes from. Because those are like those are the times where I'm looking for something. Like it's not just the music that I love, and Frank is a big part of that. Like I love Frank so much that I almost don't even listen to him that much unless I need him, you know? <laughs> Understood. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, Frank, save the day. And so that's like, for me, like, that's how special Frank is, is that like when, when I, if I put on anything from Frank Zappa, it's going to inspire me in one way or another. And that he's, that he's kind of that go-to where it's like, all right, I'm in a hole right now. Get me out of it and that's that's an awesome relationship to have yeah Um, (laughs) it's crazy it's crazy too uh one of the one of the craziest things i think about music and i think it goes deeper than you know movies or sometimes with television show characters but that's writing um i would say with music having a relationship with someone you've never fucking met in your life it is like insane like like feeling like you know that person just because like things that they say correspond with things that you feel and you're just like fuck yeah. man like if i talked to this guy for an hour he'd get me yeah like totally. you know what i mean like it's like really really crazy and i think that's one of the magical ends of music for sure a lot of videos show him hunched over his music alone and deep in his work how do you separate your work from life and where do you find the time to accomplish the rest of what you need to get done um like you know like because this is obviously a self-directed thing and you have to like i mean obviously you have deadlines but how do you separate the two uh, I'm really bad at it, to be honest with you. I mean, if it, Me was, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for my amazing girlfriend, I would literally work 24 hours a day. One, because that's just the type of person I am. But two, it's because I love what I do so much that it, like sometimes it feels like work, but there's a lot of times when it doesn't. And so like my, my hobbies and like my, the things that I try to do to get away from work somehow still seem to intersect with work. Um, oh, that's cool. But like my girl and my dogs, those, you know, they're the things that kind of suck me out of that vortex. Um, it make me like a real person, to be honest with you, because otherwise I would just be stuck in this weird little cave all the time. <laughs> that's yeah, I, I, uh, 
I definitely understand that it, it becomes very rabbit hole like. No, yeah. Like, like if you if you unlock like something new, you're like, oh shit, you can't Looks stop. Like I'm up for another three hours. Oh my god. I mean, like, I'll tell you right now. Ten years ago, like before I met Christina, and before when I was really, really, really like, just nothing's gonna stop me. I'm gonna do this. Like when it, when I first started doing lighting design, it you know it was a hobby turned into a job, sort of. But I never made any money. But I knew that eventually I would. And then when I started making money, I was so much more motivated because I was like, all right, now I don't have to go work at the coffee shop. For, yeah, it's viable now. Yeah, it's a viable thing. So now I really want to like work that much harder to prove that I'm worth this money that I'm getting paid. And so, I mean, I, would, I had terrible, terrible habits in my 20s that I don't need to go into details on. But what, what came out of that, though, was this obsessive just like – non-stop work ethic and it that's what helped me to evolve to that next level of creativity because it was just non-stop when you immerse yourself in something you know what what's that rule you have to spend 10,000 hours on something before you become uh an expert or something along those lines right yeah yeah I got there pretty quicker than most I would say because for you know for a good eight ten years I mean it was non-stop every day and there were times where you know i would go for 36, 48 hours of working on an idea or a concept and not sleep and not, you know, not answer the phone. And that was it. And you couldn't get me out of that room. And I loved every second of it, but I'm glad that that part of my life is behind me now too. I'll be honest with you because it's not a healthy existence, but it's also, you know, you have to, at some point, I think you have to kind of be there to really, you know, get to that place that you want to go. But like, you, like, like to the point that it's over everything. Like, I gotta yeah. fucking do this shit over everything. Like, yeah. I can't even fucking go to the bathroom until I figure this out. Oh like, yeah, fuck. yeah. But I, I feel that. But I think that you can't live in that world forever, because then at some point you're just, you're just, you're you're a shell of a man that's just doing stuff for you know. And you, there has to be some kind of balance because if you're not like if you're not healthy. In a, in in a, um, in a in a societal way, then how can you really truly like give back to society? Like you have to exist in order to like produce, and uh, so yeah, that balance is is you you learn these things as you get older, but like that balance really is important. It can't always be all about the craft. It can't always be about work. You have to be able to like be a real person and then when you do go back to that it's even more special and it's like anything in life like if you take that thing away from yourself like you know like if you don't eat sugar for six months right and then all of a sudden you have that first chocolate bar how fucking amazing is that chocolate bar yeah yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep. I, I feel that um he went all over the map uh he was like never one thing at, at, at all the time how do you think it's possible to change your style, your genre, or even your form, but maintain a fan base? Because where it was someone like Metallica's downfall, and I'm not comparing the two by any means, but it was to a point that he is revered and remembered for life, even though he didn't care to be. Um, and, you know, like with someone like Metallica, they changed so often that people just couldn't even fucking keep up and they were like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> what's, I mean, I. That's a that's an interesting thing because 
I think Frank's fans loved Frank because he constantly changed. People loved Metallica because they were the fucking most badass metal band that anybody Agreed. had ever heard Agreed. at the time. And so I think in the beginning, it's really important when you're when you're on the rise to kind of, you know, you, you got to see into the future a little bit, you know, at least a little bit and know that like, okay, if I have this desire to be a lot of things, I have to make sure that people understand that from the get-go. You know, you don't want to sell somebody a bill of goods and then, you know, five years down the road be like, well, that was fucking stupid. I'm going to do this now. And so from like a from a musical standpoint or an artist standpoint i change is inevitable but i think getting people to understand that you're not just this one thing is uh is probably it means a lot more if you can get that notion out there sooner than later interesting okay no yeah i i can i can understand that viewpoint for sure uh he seemed to have reached a high esteem in the political end of things, even being designated as Czechoslovakia's special ambassador to the West on trade, culture, and tourism. Do you feel it is fair or appropriate that we give some celebrities this status and respect to make these decisions or speeches, or do you feel it was based on actual skill and intellect in this scenario? Well, in this scenario, it was 100% based on skill and intellect. I mean, Frank Zappa was, even outside of the music world, a genius. Now, okay. there is some irony to that whole situation because he was chastised by the American government, and but he was loved in Europe. Like, Frank Zappa is highly, highly, a million times more revered and respected in Europe. He, I mean, he, I don't think he ever lived there, but I, I mean, he used to tour there constantly, and he had, and the European cultures just had this, had this affinity for him. And so when that happened, I think it was, it was in some ways, I think it was a jab at American politics at the time, but I do also think it was deserved um, for whatever that means. I mean, you know, it was such a goofy kind of role he was put in in the first place. Right. But I do think that there was some like, you know, it was, it was a little bit of like, hey, we're going to, it was kind of a middle finger to, the, to America in a, in a weird kind of way from him and from, and from them. And, uh, I, and that was kind of, I mean, that's, that is who Frank was. Like, he was like, ha ha ha, you guys hate me, but look at these guys love me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, I, you know, the American government has been the source of so much confusion as it is anyway. So it just, uh, it makes a lot of sense that he did anything that he did against them because they, you know. We all know. We all know. I don't need to say any more (laughs) about that. (laughs) So apparently he recorded a doo-wop album named Cruisin' with Ruben and the Jets. Do you try to dabble in other genres outside of your normal style very often? And if so, do you think it is time well spent to try other genres? Or would it be better to stick with what you know until you perfect it, then move on? Well, okay. So for me as a visual artist... I thought it was very important for me to it's weird because when you're when you're my existence is a symbiotic one with the music that is occurring and with the musicians right so regardless of whether it's a rock band uh you know hip hop EDM whatever the case may be my role is to um enhance whatever that music is so but 
from like a technical standpoint, I was very much just a lighting designer in the beginning. That's all I did. Lights. Done. And then, once I felt like I was in a very, you know, high level of being a lighting designer, then I opened up the door to lasers. Then, once I got to that high level of lasers, then I got to the video side of things. And so, I guess if that's, there's that correlation there, I guess for me, it was important to get really good at one thing before I introduced a new um, genre of visual art. But now from a musical side of things, um, I've always, I don't understand um, how deep uh, genre defining has gone in this day and age. You know, 20 years ago, there were six genres of music. There was rock and roll, there was hip hop, there was country music, there was pop music, right? And, and then maybe a couple, and then like R&B and soul, right? So like, and that was it. Now, fuck dude, there's, I mean, just within EDM, there's like 80 subgenres. I'm just like, I don't know what any of this is. It's crazy to me. But I've always been musically diverse, so I don't, like you know it's not like a it's not a challenge for me to go from one genre to the next from a lighting standpoint you know i did a tour with 30 seconds to mars last year i did a tour with steve aoki last year you know i toured with pretty lights for 10 years i toured with rock bands for a long you know psychedelic rock bands before that um what's important to me is that i enjoy the music regardless of genre if i have a connection to the music regardless of what genre it is i'm gonna do a good job if I don't like the music, then it will probably show. In fact, it just showed the other day. We were doing a show here at Ravine, and uh, I'm not going to name names, but it was a terrible set. And in turn, <laughs> I did a terrible light show. And I'm okay with that because it's not really my fault. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just can't connect with somebody else's, you know, music, whatever the case may be. And, and, and because of the the amount of uh, emotion and passion that I have for what I do, if I don't have that connection to the music, it unfortunately does have a negative effect on how I do my job. And that's, uh, you know, for better or for worse, that's just the reality of the situation. And I'm, I mean, to and I'm totally self-aware and I, you know, I'm not going to change. <laughs> yeah. We're all human. And yeah. you know, it's just like, you, you don't, I think the entire purpose of being an artist is so that you don't have to do shit you don't like. Yeah, well... You know what I mean? I'll tell so. you what, man. If only that were true. There are plenty of things that I have to do that I don't like, but I accept those things. Because you have to, I think, to really, really, really be successful, I think you have to accept the fact that sometimes you're going to have to do shit you don't want to do. And being okay Understood. with that is, is a big thing. Um now, also, un recognizing that like you're probably, like I said, not going to do your best work sometimes in those situations is inevitable, and it's, it's okay. I, as long as that work, you know, let's say, like, if I love the music, I'm going to do a 100% light show, right? If I like the music, I'm going to do an 80% light show, and if I hate the music, I'm going to do a 79% light show. So it's not a fail... Yeah. But it's not good either. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. understood. <laughs> so we talked about how he fought censorship pretty hard. Do you feel his efforts helped in changing the way music is censored? And do you consider his fight worth it? Also, what about the music industry would you fight for today if you could? Oh, I mean, obviously it was worth it. Uh, censorship has no business in, in, you know, in the creative landscape. 
what are the things that music, art, all of those things, you know, stand to exist for is is that notion that we should be able to express anything and everything about the human existence. And to censor that, you know, is just, there's no place for it. What would I fight for? I would, I mean, I would, if anything, I would fight for the business to embrace, you know, musicianship once again. I think, like we were saying earlier, this artificial, just packaged kind of business that exists right now and getting things out there that are, you know, hip and trendy for the wrong reasons is, is really, it's hurting, it's hurting the culture because people, you know, people look to musicians and they look to artists as like, you know, ways to, you know, to be inspired. And there's nothing inspiring about a lot of the music that's happening now. It's just this, it's, it's, you know, it's in a bad place and, you know, like dance music is great. Right. And, um, you know, it, it serves its purpose, but, but the people that have like something, you know, genuine to offer the world are not being supported. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's small little places where you can go out and you can find, you know, somebody who I've got a ton of respect for and I wish he had, um, I wish he had a little bit tighter grasp on like the world at large is Pete Shapiro. You know, he's helped build up a lot of the jam band community that we kind of know now today. And that guy, he's one of the flag bearers for real, genuine fucking music. You know, he's kind of the modern day Bill Graham. He helped, you know, he helped a lot of, a lot of the bands that we know and love now he helped them get to a place where they could be seen by a lot of people. Now, it's not at a mainstream level, and it probably never will be, and it honestly probably shouldn't be because that eventually does affect the product, but there needs to be more people like him out there in a, in a power position. And I think if, you know, it doesn't take a lot of people, it only takes a handful of people with the right amount of money and the right amount of power to help get the true artists, you know, back into a place where they can succeed and help, you know, affect the world in a good way. Yeah. I really hope that, um, some of the more positive people in this world and in this industry come into a lot of money randomly because (laughs) there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot of really good ideas out there and there's a lot of really good ways to save this earth and this society and this culture. And, um, if we just had the things to set it in motion, it would be tight. Like if like, you know, so if you know, like people with like Jay Z and Oprah money got together and like made some shit happen for real artists, but they, they can't be bothered to care. You yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're too fucking big. They already did their shit. So yeah. it's just what it is. I, I, I also hope that it gets to that point too, because there was a time where like you were really dope if you were something different. And now, now it's like, you're really, really dope if you can just listen to instructions and sing yep. this how we want you to sing it. Exactly. Please. We have 30 writers making this song right now. Could you please just sing it? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, I feel you on that, man. And I, I support that as well. Um, there's a project, Zappa Plays Zappa, crafted by his son, where he covers his dad's music. Would you want your legacy passed on in that way as an artist? So, 
before we go, before I answer that question, I would like to bring up something even more special that's about to happen. Do you know about the, okay. the Zappa hologram tour? Oh, I did hear about that. I think I actually messaged you about that out of nowhere. That's yeah. just a, so Zappa plays Zappa. I'm not sure that that's still a thing or not, but it's an it was an amazing thing. Uh, there were some weird family issues that were going on during that whole time Underst- that kind of maybe understood. tainted that whole thing. But the family has mended their fences, and they are uh, they are seeing Frank's wishes come to life because he back in like the 70s talked about how like holograms and being able to uh, recreate um, his magic through the use of technology was a good thing. And uh, I think that I can't, well, I, for one, cannot wait to go experience that. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, I, you know, when I, when I do have children, um, I want them, I don't know that I would never, I don't know if I would ever wish this life on them. Just because of, I know how hard it is. And I know how many, like, challenges i had to go through to do it if they feel inclined to follow my path all the power to them i would i would be the proudest father ever but at the same time you know there there will always be a little part of me that is worried for them because i know how fucking hard this shit is and uh there there's certainly a a good amount of fear that comes with that um at the same time i don't want them to just grow up and be an accountant or a lawyer. Right. I want them right. to be passionate about whatever it is that they're passionate about, and I want them to see that come to life. Whether it's in the music business, whether it's in some sort of entertainment, you know, avenue, that would be amazing. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it, I would, I just want to see the next generation uh, be true to themselves and live through their passion. Understood. Um, if you could do lights. For any of Frank Zappa's shows, which would it be, and how would you accentuate his style slash performance? You mean so like uh, like a time frame or like? Yeah, I guess just like if if or even if you were doing a show for him, like how would that go? Like, oh what my would god, you, uh, it would be the hardest thing in the world to do, just because of how challenging the music is. I mean, yeah, I used, like where is he going with this? <laughs> yeah, I I used to tour with a band called Psychedelic Breakfast, um, who was very very Zappa esque, probably the most Zappa esque jam band that's ever existed. I mean, they had all sorts of crazy songs and all sorts of crazy time signatures, and uh, they're a big reason why I am physically as good at lighting as I am, and why I'm able to do the things that I can do. Because at an early age, I was working with some unbelievably technically challenging music. Um, And so I guess, you know, early 70s, like that early to mid 70s Frank Zappa era is probably my favorite. It was post-Mothers. It was when he started really getting into like big hard rock sounds um it kind of it, it branched out of the like i would say the early the earliest frank zappa was much more art rock and a mm-hmm. little bit more it, it existed more in the like deranged almost and then by like the, the early to mid 70s he really started to establish himself as like a rock god almost 
And that, to me, like those are like the most exciting shows to listen to because it was just like there was just this ferocity to everything that they did. But there was also the playfulness, and there was you know. But technically speaking, it was just flawless. Um, so yeah, I mean, like there's a uh, let's see, you can't do that on stage anymore. Volume two, I believe, it's live at Helsinki, nineteen seventy-two. I mean, f- front to back. Just one of the most incredible live performances you'll ever hear in your life from any band. I mean, it's just untouchable. Um, so yeah, that would. I mean, that's that's the golden era for me. I mean, there are stuff in the '80s when like he started kind of. I don't want to call it like uh, greatest hits tours where he would take things from the early days, the, you know, like the different eras and kind of put it all together. And there's like some really great things there. Sort of like the same. Th- I would almost it's kind of the same way that like the Grateful Dead was where like, you know, Europe 72 is kind of, you know, widely known as this just magical time for the Grateful Dead. It was the same thing for them. They were kind of breaking out of that, like where, you know, the hippie art rock band of San Francisco. And now we're, we're establishing ourselves as this just amazing rock and roll band. And we can do a few different things and we can still improvise, but but we're just we're going out there and we're just killing it and they really you know everything takes shape and then i listened to like the late 80s grateful dead and it to me it's like it's magical in the sense it's it's this culmination of 30 or at that time i guess it would have been 25 years of magical things but it lost you know you lose the freshness a little bit you know, so you take these incredible things that you, you, you've learned over over the span of time and you polish it all up into this really big, beautiful package. But you can't ever replicate the magic of new. So it takes like, it takes, I, I guess there's like a gestation period, right? Of like five to 10 years, right? Where you're a new band trying to establish yourself as this amazing entity, right? So you have like, let's say you have your first five five years right you're 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 exploring and then it's that five to ten year period where all right we figured it out this is who we are and this is where like the momentum just comes crashing down and it's like everything's fucking incredible and then after that you have that like 10 to 20 year period where the 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 shine gets rubbed off and now you're like all right we're kind of just coasting along and we're trying to make this thing happen and we're doing this we're doing that and then it's that when you you live on long enough, that twenty to thirty year period is where like, okay, we 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 know what what it takes now to really put on an amazing show. Like we're not we're not you know twenty five year old kids out there just going crazy anymore. But we're like we're wise and we know how to make these really special moments happen. And uh, so it it really depends on like which one are you looking for? Are you looking for the like the raw shit? Or are you looking for the like the magic are you looking for the like the total package <laughs> interesting uh, yeah there there are I, I never thought about the phases of performance that's pretty amazing to hear so i got a couple questions left for you uh as as last time this has been a two-hour conversation with ass loads of information <laughs> and that's that's what i'm excited about the most uh, i think i'm going to turn this into like a three-part episode by all means. <laughs> so that people, you know what I mean? It's yeah. going to be like, I, I mean, it'll fill up a lot of slots without taking up too much of people's time. Sure. Because uh, 
There's so much good information here. So my favorite Zappa quote is, without music to decorate it, time is just a bunch of boring production deadlines or dates by which bills must be paid. Do you have a favorite quote from him to properly tie this interview up? I did the last time we talked. <laughs> Here, let me find one real quick. Go ahead, man. You can. You, we've got the internet. It's cool. Yeah. It should be faster than like going to the library or some shit. Let's see here. Let's see. Frank Zappa quotes on Brainy Quote. This should be good. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. This okay. is this is actually pretty profound because, um, I mean, as as a college dropout, this, this is the first one I found. We can go. We're, we're actually going to go through a couple of different quotes here. But this, I'm one, down with that. I'm I like it. I like this. This is just fun. So okay. So I, as a college dropout, I can 100% agree with this. If you want to get laid, go to college. If you want an education, go to the library. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Zappa with the heat. Yeah, I mean, and that's what we were talking about in the beginning. It's like if you really want to, like, if you really want to, you know, become something with whatever, with whatever trade you're trying to do, you know, people can help you gather the tools and whatever. But like, you really got to go out there and you really got to put the effort in and you really got to, you know, want to learn and want to teach yourself how to do these things and how to like really like find your own voice because. You know, people will, people can share their knowledge, but like at the end of the day, it's what's inside of you that is the most important. And you have to, you know, you have to go out there and you just have to, you know, go for it. Um, I like that. I like that. Let's see here. Let's find another one. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> and I, get, I mean, there's, there's definitely some truth to this. All the good music has already been written by people with wigs and stuff, which, <laughs> which just essentially is saying that modern day music is trash, and probably sure. probably more true now than when he said it thirty years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, I love I love the compound things that happen with time. Oh, yeah. of course, with these quotes. All right, let's see. We'll find one more here. Uh, for sure, for sure. I think I might make this a segment on every show. Yeah, you should. This this is a good idea. <laughs> this is funny. There are more love songs than anything else. If songs could make you do something, we'd all love one another. Oh shit! Aww. That's a that's a wonderful wonderful note to end see, that on for see, sure. As 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 a uh, harsh and sarcastic. And everything else that he's known for, he was also a man of love. <laughs> like we like we said earlier, he is the spectrum. Yeah. Like 100%. literally. Like <laughs> he he can hate, he can disgust, he can embrace, he can make you feel love. You know what I mean? Like he was truly an exemplary i don't even know if i can say human i feel like that motherfucker was an alien um <laughs> he's one of the aliens do one of the serpent people <laughs> yeah yeah if aliens do exist they came through frank zappa yeah so <laughs> um and we just like weren't ready for it they're like you know what fuck this this isn't a party we're out of here <laughs> so um i got some uh i guess i'll get more into you near the end of this is there like a particular image or promo piece that we can use of yours on our advertising of this show 
Is there something like an image that you would want us to put up? Anything like that? Um, I mean, yeah, I can. I'll find something. I don't know. I'm yeah, not, I'm not there. There are plenty of ridiculous pictures of me out there. Should I send you the one of me <laughs> of me dressed up as Macho Man from Halloween a couple of years ago? Since I'm such I'm, a big I'm into fan. that. <laughs> I'm into that. I'm 100 percent into I'll that. I'll find I'll find you a cool picture for sure. I actually met Macho Man. R.I.P. Yeah, but I man. actually met him. I met him with my little brothers. I used to live in Florida, so oh, fuck yeah. all those all those motherfuckers lived in Florida. I think we yeah. saw Hulk Hogan at the mall when I was like six. That's amazing. When he was like actually cool and his wife wasn't banging an eighteen year old or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, wrestling is wrestling. But yeah, Macho Man is the shit. Um, I, good reference. I like that. Uh, so will you? Do us the favor of linking this interview whenever it goes up as well. Of course. Because um, I feel like, you know, one of the best things about this I'm not show gonna, is I de- I'm not gonna I'm not going to waste three hours of my time with you and not share it. And then be like, people. ah, fuck this kid. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Yeah, that, that three hours was cool, but fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so... I, I guess one more thing. I know we kind of covered this, but what is... Like, if you were going to, like sit somebody down you really cared about them and you wanted to introduce them to frank zappa and you wanted them to care about zappa like you care about zappa what what art piece or songs or videos or what would you show them yeah i mean i guess it it would depend on the person because that's the beauty of frank zappa is like if uh you know if the person was a like a music nerd right like like super into like crazy time signatures and like this, you know, progressive rock madness, right? You could, you you know, you could do like Joe's Garage, One Size Fits All, like some of the, like that mid to late 70s stuff. Um, If they were looking for more, you know, straightforward, like rock and roll, you know, you go down apostrophe. If they just want to hear some shredding guitar, he's got a guitar compilation that's like three discs of just like crazy solos. Um, For me, like I said, you know, in the beginning, it was really impactful to me to see the diversity of Frank Zappa in the very beginning. So, like, some of the compilations, some of the live compilations, um, some of these other curated compilations are a really nice way to be introduced to Frank because you understand from the get-go that it's not this or that. It's everything. And I think that's really important for anybody who's, you know, like... Um, if you're like if you're trying to sell somebody on Radiohead, right? You're gonna sell them on on OK Computer first because that's like their masterpiece, right? But like with Frank, he, because of how much music he put out there and how very different it all is, it would it would almost do somebody a disservice to just be like, here, listen to Hot Rats, because like right. that was just right. one, that was just one concept of his like weird jazz like you know jazz funk phase or whatever and that's you know they're gonna they're gonna listen to hot rats and then when they go to listen to you know freak out they're gonna be like holy shit this is the same person like this can't be possible and so yeah i think you know most people if you're out there listening and you want that initial introduction you know the you can't do that on stage anymore there's like six of them and they're great compilations because they kind of they run the gamut from the early days all the way to his death um i think that's probably the best place to start 
Because then you can kind of go through and you can pick out the things that you really enjoyed and be like, okay, which album was that? Which album was that? Which album was that? And you can be like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm into, you know, that phase or that phase. Or if you love it all, then good for you, man, because you're part of a very small population in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's eclectic as fuck. He's all over the place. So to narrow it down to one, it would be great. Uh, it would be very difficult. Yeah. Greatly difficult. Greatly difficult. Um, <laughs> So aside from this break science show that you have going on, is there any other cool shit that you want people to be on the lookout for that you got going on? Um, well, uh, you know, right now, all of my time is dedicated to, uh, to making Ravine, you know, the most just amazing musical experience in, in the Southeast, really. I mean, there's nothing like it anywhere down here. Uh, you know, right now, we're pretty much, you know, it's geared towards the EDM DJ club style of shows with a sort of rock and roll presentation. I don't know. It's it's a weird kind of hybrid-y experience. Um, Break Science is our first live set at the venue. Oh, that's great. March 14th, right? March 14th. Yeah, it's the first. And- What's that? Is it is it oh it goes okay it goes on until March fifteenth one a.m. Yeah, I'm looking at this online <laughs> right now and I'm like two yeah. nights holy shit yeah. yeah so they're playing March it's the first show that we're doing with live instruments and uh, you know it's it's a uh, we'll see how it goes I know the room can it'll work for the room but it, it's it's definitely how far we can take it from a live perspective like I I'm not sure that we can get a a full, you know, like a great, uh, um, a great example would be Lettuce, right? Another band, another uh-huh. Adam Deutsch band. I'm not sure that uh-huh. we could facilitate a band like Lettuce <clears throat> in this venue just with the way that the stage is and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it was very much built, intended to cater to the DJ culture with the pot, with the ability to do some live performances. So, you know, we're going to do this show. I've got a couple other shows that I'm trying to make happen here over the next, you know, three or four months that, you know, kind of get us out of that bubble. Um, but and then we also have a new venue that will be opening sooner than later. Um, there will also be an art gallery. And that's going to be another thing that I'll hopefully the last time we spoke, I told you that I was going to be, uh, you know, working on some art prints uh, kind of built through the analog visuals and some laser stuff and 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 creating some art pieces out of all of the the crazy experiments that I do and that's it still hasn't come to life quite yet but it's getting much closer and I'm hoping that maybe by the summertime or fall uh I'll be having some sort of art show here in Atlanta uh displaying a bunch of crazy pieces that I've put together so we'll see. Oh, that sounds actually pretty badass. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, this is a terrible time not to live in the Southeast right now, I feel like. <laughs> um, that's really awesome. I'm super happy for all the progress that you've been making. I'm also incredibly happy that you sat down to do this with me for the second time. Yeah, man. And, it's my pleasure. And I want to say that you... You give incredibly detailed answers, and I super appreciate that because we got into some things that I know were not on the script for this at all. And, you know, we talked about, you know, what analog is and all kinds of crazy shit. And I just want to thank you for being such an informative and open person. That's really cool. Oh, I appreciate well, thank you. that. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, this is Greg Ellis once again. 
We've been talking about Frank Zappa, and you guys know me. My name is Kyle, and this is probably going to be episode two, three, four, and five <laughs> of this show. Right, so, the anthology. Uh, the laser, yeah, for sure. The Laser Shark Anthology. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I really appreciate it. You have a good one. Take care of yourself. Much love to you. Hope to see you again very soon. Fuck yeah, bud. It was good talking with you. Yeah, same, man. All right, take care. Peace. So there you have it, y'all. That is the end of our two-hour-long interview with Greg Ellis. I want to thank him for dealing with my relentless and overwhelming amounts of private messages to him, trying to get him to come and do this with me. Uh, I know he's one of the busiest people of all time, especially with these new ventures he's getting into, and I just can't thank him enough for taking the time to make somebody like me feel so special and to help launch this thing that I'm making, this this thing that I'm creating in, in the office of my own home for free for you, just trying to make sure that everybody gets this information. Um, I don't know if we discussed this at all, but the, the way that Greg came to be a part of this is Pretty Lights has a group on Facebook, and I don't, I, I'm not going to say he has a group, but it's happened as a result of him, and it's called the Pretty Lights Family, and we all talk about Pretty Lights, and we all like meet up and everything like that, and we just have a lot of our friends in one area, and I posted a long time ago, hey, does anybody know any artists that would be interested in doing this podcast? And I kind of gave like a brief description of what it would be like. And out of nowhere, Greg commented on it and said, hmm, to which I shit a brick and immediately started messaging him saying, you know, this sounds like a great idea. And we recorded it one time and it didn't come through the way I wanted it to. And there was a lot of glitches on one side of the audio and it was just a mess. And I was like, well, damn, I blew it. Uh, I kind of feel like the, uh, I, I kind of feel extremely embarrassed by this. And so five months later, here I am recording him and I just can't thank him enough. He told me to bug him and I did it. I must have messaged him once a day for three weeks straight and just was like, come on, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And the fact that he finally sat down and did it and the fact that he actually sat down with me for more than two hours, two times just goes to show you the lengths that this group of musicians and artists will go to to make their fans feel good. And I just can't thank him enough. I think it just shows a lot about his character that he would be willing to do this with me and show faith in my idea. Same goes for Mr. Bill. Same goes for anybody that's on this show. And if you have any artists that you know as a, as a fan of them or just someone that you personally know and you think that they would like to talk on this show, please don't hesitate to get at me. It's a wonderful idea with unending possibilities and we can talk to millions of artists about old artists new artists all kinds of different things can happen with this show so stay tuned because the next episode is featuring one of the most amazingly hip-hop oriented trippy artists i've ever met or had the opportunity to listen to the great blockhead is going to be talking about prince paul most famously from de la soul as well as other projects that launched him to success and uniquity. If you want to find out more information about the laser shark, go ahead and check him out on www.thelasershark.com or on Instagram at thelasershark. Those are both spelled with a Z. If you want to check out more about Zappa, you can go to www.zappa.com or facebook.com/zappa, and that's Z-A-P-P-A. Now. 
If you want to check us out, if you want to talk to us about what artists should be on here, if you want to have, if you have any feedback about the show or anything that you'd like to see from the show, go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at Uniquity Over Ubiquity, all one word, Facebook.com slash Uniquity Over Ubiquity, or you can go ahead and send us an email to Uniquity Over Ubiquity at gmail.com. Check us out on anchor.fm slash uniquity over ubiquity, where you can also find the links to our other platforms that we're hosted on, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Thank you guys so much for listening. The next episode should be out on April 8th. I hope, as always, that you got as much information from this as I did. Because sitting here and talking with these artists is probably one of the most mind-stimulating things I could possibly do with my time. And I hope you feel the exact same way about it, too. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great time. See you in about two weeks.